this morning we have a treat, and uh, Charlie is with us. Um, I met Charlie over a decade ago. Um, actually, is it the Soloweener? Is that the name of it? I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went on a long boat with him, which, is, uh, which was maybe the most remarkable trip I've ever been on. You guys know I'm super adventurous. I asked Charlie, can we do a long boat this trip? He's like, they don't, they don't really do it anymore. There's roads now. So I tease. But, but I met Charlie and immediately fell in love with the children's homes and the, the coffee, the church planning, the Bible school. He'll probably share some. I don't want to ruin his, his stuff. But there's just so much that God has done through his life, his willingness to go to Thailand. What, 37 years, I think he said? Long time. And... Um, he said, hey, I'm available to come. I said, why don't you come and just in, encourage us in the Lord and share with us the journey, the, what the needs are, and, and hopefully we'll build a team and come support you and stand with you. So I don't want to steal any of his thunder, but without further ado, let's welcome Charlie Milbride. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm pretty tall. Am I going to mess things up if I move that right no, there? Not at all. Praise God. I just, I love to be close to people, you know. It's, uh, and I'm a big guy. I don't need another six inches there. Hallelujah. Whose is this? Oh, here we go. Okay, thank you. You want me to raise the podium for you? No, we're cool. All right, well, good morning to everybody. What a blessing to be here. Amen. Wonderful worship time. Glory to God. Thank you, Pastor, for having me, and uh, thank you for your partnership with our mission all these years, and uh, it's been a great time. We had dinner uh, last night and uh, reminisced through a bunch of stuff and just had a great time. Uh, Pastor James has been on some wild trips with us. We, in fact, that, that up that river, we had machine gun escort by the Thai military because we were going through a war zone, so uh, kind of fun stuff, you know, just exciting stuff. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, we got a little book, and where are those at? And the uh, guys are going to pass them out real quick. I probably don't have enough for everybody, but probably at least one for each family. And uh, while they're doing that, I first of all, don't look at the book. Put it on the floor. Put it under your Bible. Put it somewhere. You're supposed to be looking here right now, okay? <laughs> all the book is is scripture list. But I compiled them about 35 years ago when we had been in Thailand about two years at the time. Never in my life had I been in such a situation. The opportunities before me were gigantic to minister the gospel, and yet our means were nothing. We had no money. It takes money to spread the gospel, right? And I had enough sense to realize the problem wasn't with God, the problem was with Charlie. And so I locked myself in a room and compiled those lists of scriptures, and the Lord had me read them twice in the morning and twice at night. I'd invest an hour or two a day doing that. And uh, after about one month, nothing had changed, and uh, we're as poor as poor as we were the month before. <laughs> after about the second month, all of a sudden, one day, because I used to lay down, get comfortable in my office and read them, you know, out loud, read them out loud. You need to read the Bible out loud, amen? It just does something. It resonates in your spirit. It's just more powerful when it's coming out your mouth. After about two months of that, I jumped off the floor and began pacing back and forth across the room, and those scriptures rolled out of me. I mean, they weren't just, you know, scriptures on a page anymore. They were coming from my heart. 
See, a miracle had taken place, so scriptures went from here and dropped about 12 inches down to here. And that's what makes a big difference. Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it'll be done unto you. Amen. And uh, so anyhow, that's just a gift for you, uh, just to be a blessing. Praise God. Uh, wonderful to hear about the mission trips, uh, Guatemala and Thailand around the... Uh, on the schedule right now, praise the Lord. And I've heard that uh, several of you have already signed up for Thailand. I hope after today a few more of you will sign up. I think we have eight potentials, and uh, we would, you know, that's wonderful. A team of eight is great. A team of 10 or 12 will even be even better. Amen? Amen. Amen. Missions is good for you because missions is giving. Uh, you give to people that can't help you back. And that's God-like love there, amen? You pour out your life. And, and, but a miracle takes place because you walk away with more. You come back home a changed person, amen? Uh, so it's really good. I just got a couple pictures for you. First one would be a picture of a young lady by the name of Gamonchanok. Uh, I, uh, and let me tell you the story here. This is going to be interesting because you guys are a part of this story. I didn't realize it until last night. Gamon Shamo, I, I saw that picture on Facebook. Keep the picture up. Just leave it up there. I'll tell you when to go to the next one. Uh, last Sunday, I was preaching up in Yakima. Anybody know where Yakima is? Yeah, one odd person in here that, uh, no, yeah, it's an odd, oddball place. It's, uh, but anyhow, it's one of them Indian names up in Washington State. And uh, I got up to preach this morning, or got up that morning, it was about 6 o'clock, and I was looking through Facebook, saw this picture that Gamon John Oak was graduating 12th grade. I said, first of all, this can't be right. I remember when Gamon John Oak was that big. Uh, and, uh, but I, I, you know was excited about it. There are several other pictures in there. So I called up Sarapi, the head of our dorm, where Gamon Chinook lives. I said, hey, Gamon Chinook graduate 12th grade. Yeah, yeah. She did this thing and honored us today and everything. I said, wow. I said, well, listen, what's she doing? Uh, she wants to go higher education, right? He said, yeah. And uh, she wants to be an accountant. And uh, so I said, why don't we, uh, well, let me tell you the rest of the story first before I get to that. We, we got a call 14 years ago, emergency call, and uh, the a family up in the mountains, the father had committed suicide in front of his children and wife, and Gamon Chimnok was four years old at that time. And uh, so we got the call to see if we could help them. I said, sure, of course. And uh, so we brought the two girls into our home, and uh, Gamon Chinook's mother, within a short time, we got her situated just down the road from our children's home. And uh, so we took care of that family, and uh, the mother had had a mental breakdown uh, after her husband killed himself, and uh, she uh, is severely mentally handicapped right now. So we actually built a house for her, and I didn't realize, I knew, I couldn't remember, you know, it's been a lot of years ago, and so much stuff goes by, but you guys were the team that helped build that house, and we got a picture of the house right here. Uh, not, not that one. Little white house. <laughs> That's a pretty big house there. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Just a little widow's house. And, uh, but for her, it was a castle. And you were talking, when we went to her old house, I remember I couldn't step on the step because there was a hole. The little step that went up to it was just a hole to get up into this shack. And anyhow, we built that little house for her. Well, uh, a few years Later, we were dedicating, do we have that picture up there? Go to the third picture with the, all the kids out there. Is that there? Maybe not. No, not that one. Not that one. 
I keep going. Okay, apparently I didn't send that picture, so get that one off. Go back to Gamon Oak. <laughs> get the one with the three ladies there. <laughs> and uh, so, okay. Uh, one, two, three. It's the third picture over. Uh, okay, okay. Anyhow, and uh, oh, there she is. That was the day they came to us, uh, her and her sister, a couple little ragged kids who had no hope in the world. And all of a sudden, life changed for them because of Abundant Life Children's Home. But we were dedicating our two, one of our, our second two-story dormitory on those properties several years ago. A bunch of government officials were there and everything. But during that ceremony, or after that ceremony, Gamon Janok's mother came up to Kathy and I. And she's so, uh, you know, she walks around like this and she hardly looks at you. She's really embarrassed, you know. But she come up and was kind of wincing and hands this little bag that she had hand-woven. And when she reached it out, it was like she couldn't even speak. And yet, from her heart, you just read her heart. She says, thank you for helping my family. Thank you for helping us. My daughters now are safe. I have a little home to get. And this was her thing. And I just brought tears to my eyes, and it's like, you know, you could have gave me a million dollars that day would not have been worth as much as that woman's little gift. It was just powerful. And so, anyhow, what we agreed to do is cover her college education and uh, get her an accounting degree and then put her to work at that dormitory because she's right by her mother then and can care for her mother the rest of these years. Amen. So, praise God. You're getting me all messed up up here now. <laughs> so, big guys don't cry, you know. <laughs> anyhow, anyhow, we do have some, uh, with Pastor James' permission, we do have some child sponsorship, and uh, he would like you to sign up for these. Uh, these are good things for you to do. <laughs> I'm not telling you that directly, but he told me he'd like you to sign up. So, uh, anyhow, uh, these packets are on the table out in the uh, hallway out there, and uh, you can take the packet home with you. There's an information booklet all about child sponsorship just make sure you give us your name address and the name and code of the child there so we can link you then we give you regular updates on it it's a great program this couple here have been supporting kid for years just come marty and lisa hill right yeah and i you know i don't know people but i know those names when when them faithful checks and everything come through and i've i've seen that name for years i didn't know where you were but god bless you and uh so what a blessing child sponsorship kathy and i support four of them uh, last week, I did a couple services, and I kept looking at that one kid. I thought, God, i got to take that one, too. So I guess we got five now. So uh, <laughs> how can you resist? These little kids are so precious, man. And the stories, I could, t I could sit here till next week telling you stories of lives of children have been transformed. Next picture is that picture, that beautiful picture of the church there. We dedicated that last Sunday in Thailand. And uh, there you go. And that's uh, Hui Sak Luang Church. And that's our 235th church that we've built and planted in Thailand. Amen. Isn't that pretty awesome? 235 of them. Glory to God. Somebody says, well, do you preach at all these churches? I said, well, if I did, it would take me five years to make one round, you know. Wow. By then, I'd have another 80 churches built, and I'd take me another two years to get around, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but we're building this year. We're planning to build 18 of them. And uh, so, yeah, praise God. Got to do something. When you get my age, man, you just got to put it into afterburn, turn the turbines on. I mean, get this thing going. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. Praise God. <laughs> so, and what's our next picture on the church there? Uh, do we have one? That's inside. And then the next picture, the little stairway going up, that's teak wood. Hoi Sak Luang means the stream of the royal teak. And so that church is built out of teak, uh, which if we could sell here in California, whoo, we'd be rich. But uh, we built it over there. Luckily, the trees were growing. God put them there, and we just used them. Amen? <laughs> Praise God. Y'all ready for the word? Okay, let's get into it. Open our Bibles, if you would. And let's start in, I believe it's the book of Luke. Scary, you're wrong. I was just seeing if our people in the back were ready. It's the book of Mark, hallelujah. <laughs> Mark chapter 12. Hallelujah. I'm a little different. I'm an OG, some of you might not know what that is, but I literally am an old gangster. Uh, I was a gangster before I come to Christ. And so I'm a little different in my presentation and everything. You just got to live with it because this is the way God, well, I don't know if God made me this way. This is why I am, you know. So uh, I might not be quite as professional as your pastor and everything, but uh, God uses guys like me. And uh, praise God, it's been a journey, man. It's been a lot of fun. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these moments we have together. We thank you for that precious worship service we just shared together in, Lord. We realize your spirit is at work here. Lord, your God, you're doing, you're willing and doing of your good pleasure in our life, Father. We thank you. And as we get into the word of God, we just thank you for opening the hearts of the people, Father. Let them hear the voice of the Father God, Father, not the voice of Charlie. Let your spirit touch our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, starting in verse 28, I read out a New King James Version, so I think that's what they got up here today. It uh, says, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard, the reason, heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus basically just quoted Deuteronomy there, a very familiar portion of Scripture that we all can relate to. And I... Uh, pretty sure that you love the Lord God with all your uh, all of those qualities right there. Uh, I can sense it in your worship. I can sense it because you're here today. Glory to God. Amen. And loving our neighbor. I mean, we all know we, we do that, and we do the best of our ability to it. Uh, I've been ministering, preaching the gospel now for a little over 40 years, and uh, it's kind of hard to believe. I just had a birthday. I'm 69. I don't know how all that happened. It seemed like I was just, you know, got out of high school and hot rodding and doing crazy stuff. But here we are, 69. Glory to God. But uh, each minister kind of gets a vein of ministry that they get, uh, that they, just the Lord seems to open up to them. And uh, for me, it's been understanding purpose. Probably because I came from a life of absolutely no purpose. Uh, I was a lost person. I was a drug dealer for many years and uh, Harley Charlie and crazy motorcycle maniac. Nothing matter with motorcycles, just the guy that was on it, you know, and the, 
and the substances that were in them at the time uh, makes motorcycles a little dangerous. But uh, I have really, probably every message I ever preach on, I somehow get to Ephesians 2.10 uh, says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which he before ordained that we should walk in them. And uh, that's a scripture that began to turn my life around because I, when I found that, I just stopped. I said, God, can this possibly be true? Because this says that you created me for good and I've never done anything good in my life. And it says that you before ordained that I should walk in these good works. And, and I just said, God, if this is true, I yield myself to you and you can use me any way you want to try to do good in this earth, you know. And I found out that purpose is a powerful thing. And then I try to help people discover their purpose and then also begin to walk that out. Because the Bible says each and every one of us are called. So it's not just the pastor that's called. Ephesians 4.1, I believe it is, says God, uh, Paul is begging us to walk worthy of the calling upon our life. He says, to each one of you is given grace. Amen? Each of us have a different grace for the calling that he particularly has put on the purpose for our life. Amen? Amen. Now, with that said, I've traveled the world. I've probably been in over 40 different nations, preached the gospel all over the place and hundreds and hundreds of churches. And I see one of the biggest roadblocks to people discovering their purpose or maybe walking out their purpose is that Christians, uh, well, actually, you kind of find it in those last couple words that Jesus spoke there, loving God with all your heart, soul, and might, that's pretty under, easily understood. Loving your neighbor, okay, we understand that. But he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That as you love yourself thing is the ringer that gets most people. You know, we can't properly love someone else until we properly understand ourselves and love our own self. Amen? When people are ugly to other people, it's because they don't see, they don't see themselves properly. And that ugliness to other people is simply an expression of a broken heart, of something disrepair in their three-part being there. See, what I've found is Christians, uh, many of them walk with a lack of self-confidence. They feel unworthy. They feel guilty. They walk with condemnation. You know, the Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren. How many of you have heard his voice beating you and beating you and beating you down, telling you how no good you are? Remember that, what you did. He's just constantly, that voice is in our ear if we allow it, bringing us down. So I find that, uh, you know, we, we see people trying to please God through works, people that just have not risen up to, to understanding their value in Christ, and that is the title of my lesson here today. Because you need to learn to accept yourself, and you need to accept the value that God has put on you. Amen? Now, we've all fallen short. I mean, we all fall short, you know, real regularly. Uh, and, and, you know, the Bible says, for all have fallen short and of the glory of God. Amen. Well, that's why Jesus came. Amen. Because none of us can do it. I mean, I, I meet some Buddhist people that are some of the 
the perfect Christians, I mean, they do everything right, but that's not really enough. I mean, they're sweet people, but we still fall short because we have that sin nature that was passed on at birth, and you, there's not, you can't escape that. That's there. Amen? And there's nobody who really, you know, can do it all right. That's what the Jews tried doing, but it's impossible to fulfill the law. Amen? And that's why Jesus came. Because, you know, we're, we're just folks, man. But, you know, in Romans 5, 8, it says, God demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that the beauty of it all? Before we made our mess, before we... Now, you might, your life might not be a mess as much as my life was. But some of you, I'm probably all of you, realize, yeah, we fell short back there. There were things that went sour, you know. And, uh, but Christ... With all of that in the future, he died and gave his life for us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know, if we could earn salvation, we'd be strutting our stuff like, hey, yeah, I got, oh, you ain't got it? Yeah, oh, man, you, poor little thing, you, you know. We, but... It's not by our works. It's through the grace of God and through our faith of simply accepting that free gift. Amen? So you have to learn to accept your position in God. That's why that, that book, that little booklet, which is simply a list of scriptures, transformed my life many years ago. Amen? I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 1. These first seven verses. I mean, if I had these seven verses alone... I could tackle the world. And let's look at it. i got to get my Bible open here, too. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to read the first seven verses. Amen. It starts off with the Apostle Paul, the writer of the book. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Who's he writing to here? To us, amen? You got to receive it as, that's me. That's, Paul's talking to me right now. Not some prehistoric church that's, you know, uh, uh, a tourist site now of broken down stones in Ephesus. No, he's talking to you and I because we are the faithful in Christ Jesus, amen? And the most powerful way to get the word of God working in your life is to personalize it to yourself and realize this is God's love letter to me. So Paul, when he writes these words, he's talking to Charlie, he's talking to James, he's talking to you, amen? He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Past tense, he's already blessed us. Everything he could possibly bless you with, he's already done. You find that over in 2 Peter chapter 1 as well. But through the knowledge of the grace and knowledge of, uh, through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the grace and blessings of God are multiplied to us through all those promises that he's given to us. It's already a done deal, folks. Amen? Amen. Verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Glory to God, before he even created the world, he knew each and every one of us. And he decided that you would stand before him holy and blameless before him in love. Amen? Amen. It's not like something we attain to. This is something that when you bowed your knee to Jesus Christ, this was yours. Boom! It was already happened. Amen? Amen? 
having predestined us, verse 5, to the adoption of sons or daughters, children, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. You don't have to twist God's arm to get you into the family, amen? I remember Garun. You know Garun. I married uh, Bratip and his wife one day and uh, up in the mountains at a church ceremony. And when I got in the car and the truck to go back home, Bratip come up. He said, hey, wait, before you go, there's a kid here who's come to Christ in our youth group, but uh, his family's rejected him. He said, if he does not deny Christ, they disown him as a, as a child. And can you take him back to Chiang Mai and give him a job? I said, well, where is he? And he pointed at this kid over in the bushes, those 17-year-old kind of scrawny-looking kid. And I said, whatever. I just gave him the thumb to jump in the back, you know. Well, now the guy is known across the nation. <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a legend in Thailand. He's been working with us for, what, 33 years or something like that. He's, uh, he's going to be 50 next year, and he came to me when he was 17, so you do the math, you know. Been there for a while, praise God. Uh, but, you know, Bratip had to twist my arm a little. I thought, what am I going to do with this guy, you know? <laughs> I handed him a lawnmower. We'd just moved down to a new property. The grass is about that tall, five acres of it. I handed him a lawnmower. didn't see him for two weeks, man. And <laughs> I figured if he survives that, maybe we can use him. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. But see, God, it was according to God's good pleasure. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Amen? I say those words every day. Father, thank you that I stand before you righteous, not because of my own merit, but he who knew no sin became sin that I might be the righteousness of God. You've accepted me in the beloved. Amen. We, uh, you know, how it is, is I, I just come back from Thailand. Uh, been here two weeks now. Uh, my granddaughters, my son Jeremy was over, his wife, him and his wife, <laughs> excuse me, and uh, two of the granddaughters. Sophia is two and Olivia six. So we had a good time together, hugging and kissing and playing and doing all that good stuff. But then they were leaving, right? And so they left and, oh, papa, bye-bye, and they're blowing kisses. And we have these little rituals we go through, you know, every time they leave. You, you grand folks know. And uh, so I figured, well, I, we, are, we have steps go down from our house down to a carport area, and I walk into another building, I got my little office in there, and I can walk out on the balcony and see the carport, you know. So I figure, well, I'll go out there too, you know. So, and I see it, and they're getting in the car, and they say, oh, Papa, bye-bye, Papa, bye-bye, we love you, Papa. And, uh, and Sonia's trying to get him in the car. Come on, come on, go away. And they're just, you know. <laughs> and then they roll, and they're pulling out, and they roll the windows. Papa, we love you. See you tomorrow. Oh, I mean, it just don't get no better than that, you know? Uh, and I'm, a, I'm just a natural guy. I'm a, I'm a man. I'm an earthly man. But this is, your God is a bigger sucker than I am. Amen? And when you, Abba Father, and when you just begin to open your heart and worship to him, he's just melting because he loves you with an everlasting love, and all he sees in you is perfection. He doesn't see the mess of our lives, amen? 
We are accepted. It wasn't him twisting his arm to take us into this family. It was the good pleasure of his will. Amen. There's a scripture that I love. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. And it says, we got it up here? Yep, you got it. You guys are good back there. <laughs> Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. See, when we look at ourselves, we see the imperfection. When God looks at us, he sees Jesus. Amen? I have a little kind of a girly, sissy thing here in my Bible. Isn't it girly and sissy? Yeah. But this, I look at it every day. It falls out of my Bible every day. There's a little coin in here. It's just a tie bot. It's worth nothing, three cents. And, uh, but when I look at this, I quote that verse. For I died, my life is hidden with Christ inside of God. Amen? So when God looks at Charlie... He sees in Christ. He doesn't see drug addict Charlie. He doesn't see Harley Charlie. He doesn't see thief Charlie. He doesn't see liar Charlie. He doesn't see loser Charlie. He sees Christ. He sees me in Christ. That's how God looks at you and I. He refuses to look at your past because he sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I'm going to take a little liberty here. I hope I don't get in trouble. Your pastor is teaching you the journey to promise. Last year, or last year, last week, you talked about the preeminence of God, and you talked about no second best. When you stand before God and say, God, I'm so unworthy, you're giving him your second best. Because he said, you are worthy. I've given my son for you. So when we go through our negative routine of how we see ourselves and we try to, you know, stand before God with that, my brother and sister, you're handing them your second best. And it doesn't even compare to how he sees you. He sees you precious. He sees you of value. He sees you in Christ. He sees you forgiven. He doesn't see all those downfalls, all those things. See, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Amen. When you realize, see, that's the beauty of grace and everything, because when you really realize how much God loves you, you just want to be better. And you want to fix those things that you know are out of line because you just... You love them so much, you just want to be there for them. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. See, when I look at them grandkids, I don't look at they're, they're They're naughty sometimes. I don't care. I'm just having fun with them because their parents can fix the naughty. Amen? I mean, don't pick them. And I can't. And I, you have to shut my mouth if they're trying to correct them, you know, because I know they got to do all. I was a parent at one time, you know. But being a grandparent's a whole lot better. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and I think God is kind of like that. Jesus, you fix the mess. Let me just enjoy the kids. <laughs> Amen. So as, as the grandkids, I mean, we know we're the kids, but we got like grandkid 
status with the Father. Just enjoy it and suck it up and soak it up. Amen? <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Was that okay? I did that little diversion? Okay. I know it was a different angle from what he ministered last week. It was very, I thought, you know, I better go find out, you know, where things are. I read, I thought, wow, this fits, I can fit that. I can fit that right into this message here uh, because, you know, I don't want to give God my second best. And I've done that whole thing, you know, oh God, I'm, you know, I know, I know I've fallen short. I'm, he said, yeah, and he's like, oh God, is he at it again? Yeah, that's why I sent you. Do you read the book, kid? Read the book. I know you fell short. I know you're no good. I know you're a sinner. That's why I sent my son to die for you so that you could come to me, come boldly to my throne of grace. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So we have to value, we have to have, see, our value in Christ. The best way I can do this, oh, we're in good shape, yeah. Because we got to 1 o'clock, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, years ago, I've had your pastor on the border of Burma. Well, Burma was uh, occupied by Japan in World War II. Uh, the Japanese troops were there. A friend of mine came to my office one day, and this is about 25, 30 years ago, and he come walking in, and he's walking in like this. He said, oh, Charlie, Charlie. He said, I hear you're going to the States in a couple of weeks, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, oh, listen, I've got something I want to show you. And he opens this cloth. He's got this protective cloth. And he opened up, and he's got a coin there, a really old coin. He said, I said, what's this all about? He said, well, he said, you know when the Japanese were in Burma, and uh, British soldiers were fighting him and everything. Uh, this guy was killed, and in his, in his uh, uh, Korean tribesman was helping the British, but in, well, he got killed, and in his dying breath, he handed this coin to his son and told him to keep it. It's very valuable. And then the son was now an older man, and he died, and he handed it to his son, and he said, and this coin is worth about a million dollars. And he said, I'd like you to go to the States and sell it. And if you can sell it, I'll give you the tithe off of it. So I listened to him and uh, listened to his story. And then he left. And I, I'm thinking, oh, God, this guy's fruitcake, you know. <laughs> and, and I, yeah, back then, men, we carried briefcases. And mine was open on the floor about eight feet away. I took the coin and I threw it to my briefcase, right? So then a couple of weeks later, I got on a plane, go to a land in Portland, Oregon. Pastor picks me up, and we go to his house, and uh, he's, we're just catching up on stuff. And then I, I remembered that coin. I said, oh, Dave, wait till you hear this one. And Because he, he knew Joseph, the guy who brought the coin to me. I said, uh, Joseph really come up with one this time. And I told him the story. He said, oh, he said, my son collects coins. That's, you know, he's got a bunch of books. And uh, he said, and he got up and went to get this book. And, and, I, and I went and got the coin. And we got it out. And we're going through the pages. All of a sudden, we turned the page. Oh, there it is. What? The most valued coin in, human, in American history. The la there's only six of them known. And the last one sold for $950,000. I put that wrapper back over it. I put it in my pocket. I didn't take my hand out of my pocket. I said, oh, my God. 
I said, and, and then it was time to go, and I've been sitting there all night with my hand in my pocket. And he says, Charlie, you got to go now. You got a hotel, right? I said, do I have to go? He said, yeah, we got you the hotel. I said, okay. I peeked out the door, make sure there weren't no burglars in sight, man. <laughs> I went to the hotel. He dropped me off. I walked into the hotel, got in my room. I put a chair up against the doorknob, man, in case somebody tries to bust in on me. Now, question. Did the coin change? No. no, the coin was the same coin that I had no respect for and threw it to the briefcase. But what changed was my perception of the value of that coin. So you and I, many times, we have a perception of ourselves of not very valuable because we look at what in the natural realm. But see, when God sees us, he looks at that value. He says, you are so valuable to me that I couldn't redeem you with silver and gold. I had to redeem you with the precious blood of my son. Amen. Now, I couldn't imagine giving my son to die for something. But we know that God did that. And as Jesus hung on that cross and was brutally uh, savagely abused and broken. His blood dripped on that dusty hill next to Jerusalem there. But in that blood was our redemption. In that blood was the cleansing of our sin, past, present, and future, all the sins of mankind. And that's the value that God put onto our life. And we just need to renew our mind to begin to see ourselves with that value. It's not pride. It's not, it's humbling because you're like, God, I know that's, but yes, sir, if that's how you say it is, that's how you say it is. Amen. So we have to learn to accept our value in Christ because then the scriptures make a whole lot more sense to you and you can approach God boldly through his word by your true position before him in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So just in closing here, hallelujah. Well, we're doing really good on time. Uh, I would imagine in this room, most of you have given your life to Christ. Uh, if you have not, I encourage you to do that. It's a very simple thing. The, uh, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, that God sent him to the earth. He was born of a woman, uh, and he lived a sinless life. He hung on a cross for our sins. You know the story, the old gospel story. And, uh, and when you believe on that, the Bible says it's a gift, a gift of salvation, a gift of righteousness. When you believe on that, he gives you that gift. I came to Christ. We talked a little bit about my testimony back in 1977. Uh, I was a crazy, burned-out, hippie, drug addict, motorcycle nut. Uh, and I, it wasn't a Christian that led me to Christ. I was hitchhiking down I-95 in the state of Florida, Cocoa Beach exit. I was walking up the exit that day and saw something shiny in the dirt, picked it up. It was a little crucifix of Jesus. And uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian. I had a little bit of Catholic influence from my grandmother. That's why I knew about the wafers. You know, that wafer can fix anything, you know. 
wafer and a few Hail Marys, you got it covered, man. <laughs> I'll make a joke on that, but I better not. <laughs> but anyhow, I picked up that cross, and I said, I wonder if there's anything about this Jesus cat. And I, this was 77, you know, hippie lingo and all. And it was a, it was a necklace that had broken off somebody's, uh, and I put it in my pocket. I got down to Homestead, Florida that night, which is pretty good moving for a hitchhiker. I don't know if you're a hitchhiker or anything, but got down to Homestead. It was time to get something to eat, and I pulled the, I knew I had eight cents in my pocket, and I had some pop bottles I'd been picking up, <laughs> and, uh, and I used to have suitcases of money as a drug dealer, but somehow Satan's end is always destruction, and all that disappeared, and I was just a bum, and... Uh, so anyhow, I pulled it out, and that cross had fastened, the chains were linked together, fastened to my key ring. And I'm like, whoa, because you couldn't do that with your finger. You had to have pliers to do that. And I, I said, uh-oh, this Jesus cat, maybe there is something about him. I went and bought me a Bible. And I, I, it was, and I told James' story. I won't go into all that. It was kind of crazy. Uh, but I, I, you know, I thought the cosmic secret of the universe would be revealed to me through this Bible because I was into the Hare Krishna. I wasn't a Hare I wasn't knowing bald guys at the airport. But uh, I was into the book because the Beatles, the Maharashi, and blah, 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 you know. It was, it was them years, you know. <laughs> and uh, so anyhow, I have been reading this Bhagavad Gita, and, but then I, I figured Jesus and the Bible went through. So I got this Bible, started reading it, and it made sense to me. It's like, wow, 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 this is, and it just like, it just really made sense. Then I had this dream. I'm in a pure white room, and uh, I, in the corner is a table, and it's got the Holy Bible on it, and it's just emanating. It's just got glory just coming out of it, just gold streams of light coming from it. And on the floor on the, on the floor was the Bhagavad Gita just crumbled and everything. And I'm looking at this, and then I hear a voice. And I look over here, and there's a man standing there, and he says, this is the book God has for you. And I look back, then that Bible just, and then I woke up. I mean, my heart's pounding out of my chest. I'm going, oh, my God. I said, wait a minute, I find a cross. It connects to my ring. Now I got a Bible. I got guys talking to me in the sleep. And I went outside that morning, and I, I held that Bible up. I said, hey, I talked, I yelled because I didn't know if he could hear good. I said, Jesus. I said, hey, this book says you're supposed to be able to hear me because you're supposed to be the son of God, you know, and you died on that cross, but you got up out of it and all. And so if you're really God, then you can hear me. And I laid out this impossible situation for him to do to prove himself to me, right? And then I went and got high. I forgot about it. I forgot, truthfully, I forgot about my deal that morning. But that, that what I asked him to do went, I mean, it dropped perfectly, and I still hadn't even remembered it. And when the last thing took place to fulfill all of my requirements, I heard this voice say, you've asked me to reveal myself to you. And I probably turned white as a ghost because it blew my mind. And I didn't know what to do. I had two friends with me. They wanted to get buzzed. I just gave them some dope, said, man, I'm busy. I got to do something, you know. And I went back to the pad I was living in. And I got on my knees. I didn't know what a sinner's prayer was. I'd never been to church. I didn't know anything other than reading this Bible for two weeks now. 
And I just got on my knees and, and I just said, Jesus, you're the dude. And I want you to be my God, you know. And apparently he didn't mind being called the dude because I got born again. And I didn't even know what being born again was, right? And so the Bible says if you confess him as your Lord or call him the dude, a little even work if that's coming from your heart, you know. I mean, in my, that was where I was at that time. And that's the beauty of how God will accept us. Amen. Amen. So not only will he accept you as his child, and if you haven't done, just call on him because he's there and he's just waiting for you. In closing, let's just all stand together. Hallelujah. Pastor, at the end of worship, there was just a, just a wonderful time of people opening their hearts and everything. And, and let's just get back to that. And I'm going to hand it back to your pastor here in just a moment. But just close your eyes. And we've got a little bit of music, just real soft up here. Something, you know, not Led Zeppelin-y type or anything. <laughs> Hallelujah. Each of us are facing challenges in life. I've got mine. And God wants to meet those needs. He wants to be there. He wants to bring those breakthroughs. And as we just stand in his presence right now, just want you to open your heart, and your pastor's going to come and just talk to you a little bit because... He knows you a whole lot better than I do. But uh, as a friend in Christ, I'll just step out with this and say that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we can ask or think. But so much of that is determined by how we perceive ourselves. We are worthy, not on our own merits, but through the blood of Jesus Christ, he's made us worthy. We are righteous, not by our own deeds, but simply because Jesus gave us that gift of righteousness, amen. So as you approach him with whatever your need is, keep in mind the value he has on your life. Thank you. You know, I wanted to just continue to encourage you in the Lord before we totally wrap up. You know, Charlie was sharing with you out of Ephesians chapter one, and when I was in Bible college, this was a lot of years ago, um, 1992, I believe it was, and <clears throat> we were studying Ephesians, and when I started to read through those, those first verses that he shared with you that you know, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing and heavenly places in Christ. And when you study this, you're going to realize it's like the most extensive run-on sentence you could ever imagine. And it's, it's like icing on top of icing, goodness on top of goodness, grace on top of grace. He said, he chose you before him in the foundations of the world, you'd be holy and blameless. Before him in love, he predestined you to the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on, on us in the beloved, in Jesus. In him we have redemption. 
through his blood, forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. And I just, I want to drop a thought on you because it keeps saying, he chose us, he chose us. Who's the he? Oftentimes we look at this passage and we immediately grab a hold of the goodness of the sacrifice of Jesus, but the he is the Father. It's the Father that he chose us to be found in Jesus. He chose us to be forgiven in Jesus. He chose us to be redeemed in Christ. So listen, some of you are sitting in the room right now and maybe you've committed your heart to Jesus and maybe you haven't. Some of you are online and you're watching right now and, and you know, maybe you were scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or something. You just thought, you know, I just happened to drop in on this. You, nothing is happenstance with God, quite intentional. You sitting in the room, quite intentional. You observing online, quite intentional. God is not a God of accidents. I mean, just as Charlie shared before the foundations of the world, he created this, this pattern in which he's going to grab your heart. He's trying to grab some of your hearts right now. He's trying to grab some of you online. He's trying to grab some of you in the room. Listen, you've maybe even been around faith. Maybe you're, you're coming with family. Maybe your parents bring you. Maybe a friend of yours is coming and, and you're like, well, I kind of, I'm around church or I'm around the concept of God. But actually surrendering your heart and inviting him to be your, your Lord and your Savior, maybe you've just never done that. And I want to give you a chance to do that right now. And, and I'm actually not going to ask you to show me your hand. I'm going to say this. I'm going to pray with you. And if you're in the room, I would love to talk with you afterwards just to encourage you, like, what's the next step? Like, if you said, Jesus, I do believe that you died for my sins and I want you to be my Lord. What's my next step? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I've seen too many hands raised in a moment of emotion that are forgotten as quickly as you walk out the door. What I want is an action behind, I want you to be Lord. And not because I think it's less worthy if you don't act, it's because I want as a pastor, encourage you in the next step. So that it's not three months or six months or three years before the concept really digs deeply into your heart again. I was around people preaching Christ to me for honestly years, two or three years, before I finally surrendered my heart and said, God, I, I do want you to be my God. Maybe that's you. But you know this, that he loves you and you want to build a relationship with him. So I want to pray. I want to pray. And so do this with me if you would. You know, Jesus, I, I hear the stories of your goodness. I hear the declarations of your forgiveness. I heard them even sing the song about worthy is the lamb. And I don't even know if I understand all of that. I know that God loves me and he wants to forgive me and he wants a relationship with me. So I want to ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord. I, I want to ask you to come into my life and, and make things right. I want you to come into my life and help me to love myself as your word said, to love others as I love myself. Help me to discover who I really am in you. Forgive me of my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit because I'm going to need it.
You also have a sense that there's a bunch of you in the room that just need to realign yourself. It's not that you don't know Jesus or that you've never committed your heart to him. But maybe it's cold, maybe it's stale, maybe it's not a priority, maybe it's not a focus. Maybe life has been so difficult, and I know this one well, that it was hard to see that God was in there somewhere. And you just need to know that he never leaves. And you just need to know that he never forsakes. You just need to know that even though there's trouble in life, that God is present. He said he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. Now, if you're in the room and say, I need to recommit, I need to realign myself, you, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. Just lift your hand. It's just a prayer. It's just a prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to walk out of the seat. I'm really just asking you in your own heart to say, this is a declaration of faith. I know I'm off track and I want to be on track. That's all you're saying. If you're online and you're, you're watching from online and in this moment, you're thinking, he's talking to me. If I'm talking to you, that's because God is talking to you. He's using my voice to do it, but he loves you, wants to capture your heart. That's all that that's about. So, Father, we just pray for just a realigning of our hearts with your heart. God, we already know your forgiveness. We already know your grace. And whether it was our own will or the difficulty of life, it, it honestly doesn't matter. We're here in this moment saying, God, help. I need your help. I need your direction. I need your restoration. I need your encouragement. God, I need your joy. I need the joy of the Lord to be my strength. God, I also pray just over these folks, particularly just a covering. There's enemy just wants to destroy God, and we just pray that you would help them to become aware of the places that the enemy comes in. So God, we pray that, that you would really break the back of the devil, particularly in the attacks of the people who raised their hands, those sitting online who are saying, I need this realignment right now. I need it. God, we just plead the blood of Jesus over them. We know that you went to the cross and that you led captivity captive and you gave gifts to men is what the scripture said, which means you, you let us out of jail. You let us out of jail. You gave us a get free, get out of jail free card. And God, we want to walk in the freedom. He loves you. I just need to say it out loud. I just like this sense of God's overwhelming affection is what I sense right now. He really loves you. It's not even a matter of convincing you. You sense it and you feel it.
pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts, that we would know the hope of your calling, the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints. That's you and me, church. It's you and me. God, as we go today, just open our eyes, our hearts to see who you really are, your love, your grace, your forgiveness. God, let this just be a day of, of remembrance, of alignment, a day of salvation. We love you, Jesus. We give glory to the Father for your sacrifice and we invite the fullness of your Spirit's life in us. We just thank you, we thank you and praise you. Amen, amen. All right, well, hey, God bless you. Pray you have a really great rest of your day. If you wanna hang out and, and maybe pray, worship a little bit or you need prayer, there'll be folks available for you. Otherwise, have a, an amazing rest of your Sunday. And if, if you're part of uh, interested in Thailand, you're, you're welcome to chat with Charlie. He will be out at the table with the, the kids that are available to be sponsored and adopted. Um, so you can have a conversation with him. Go introduce yourself to him. Shake his hand. Uh, he's a really cool cat also. <laughs> Amen. All right. God bless you guys.